have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. It's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to open those Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to wrap up our series, Ben's Reading the Bible, this morning. Uh, in Daniel, great story, a familiar story that all of you should remember and uh, have great application for your life. But the bottom line is, I just want you to uh, follow along with me here when I got to get my electronic device doing what it's supposed to do, and then then we'll. Uh, there we go. I want to read together, so we're going to look at the first thirty verses. I'm not going to preach out of all thirty, but I want us to get the context of the story. So follow along with me. Mine's maybe a little different than yours, but it's okay. You'll you'll still get it. Even though yours is wrong, mine's right. It's, it's okay. Everything's good. Begin in verse 1, chapter 2. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he, would, he, couldn't, he couldn't sleep. Any of you understand that one? <laughs> so the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell them, to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces, and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you don't tell me the dream, there's just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however, great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. And when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch Then explained the matter to Daniel, and at this Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. And then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. 
Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and reasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with Him. I thank and praise You, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar. Are you able to tell the tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel replied, No wise man, uh, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery of he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He's shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay in your bed are these. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went, what went through your mind. Now I want to stop right there. Because I think in this story, We need to understand a few things. All the wise men of Babylon had one thing in common. None of them had any idea what to say to the king. They had all in common. Raising your children, when they were were caught in a uh, lie or caught in, in mischief, You knew what was going on, but it was fun to watch them squirm to try to tell you what was not going on. Right? We used to have a phantom uh, entity living in our house called the Not Me. It was just this little figure over here that had a name on its forehead that said, Not Me. And I never, ever, ever will forget the time. I can't remember now how old they are, but they were little. And they'd been in the uh, chocolate chip cookie jar that Cindy had made homemade chocolate chip cookies. Now, you know when they're warm and right out of the oven, the chocolate chips melt. Best time to eat them, right? Because <laughs> you can lick, you can have after, after effects, you can lick it off your hand. Well, there's chocolate all over these faces. Question. Who ate the cookies? Guess who showed up? That not me person. Not me. Not me. Not only when they did they have chocolate all over their mouth, but when they grinned, they had chocolate all over their teeth. Yeah, you know. Not me. Well, it's kind of what's going on here. The king's had this dream. It's troubling. He doesn't like what he's dreamed. Doesn't like the outcome of what he perceived was going to happen, but he sure wanted some interpretation. So he does what everybody does today. 
that you go find somebody or something other than God to get that answer for you. Yeah, read my horoscope. Nancy Reagan was good about being a horoscope reader. She'd read the horoscope every day to find out, I guess, what her marching orders were for her particular life based on what the horoscope told her. Horoscopes are great. They're kind of like fortune cookies at the Chinese restaurant. You open it up and you read it and it's such a generic thing. You will have a great smile today. Wow. Good things are coming your way. Okay. Yeah, I just finished eating. Okay. Yeah, good things. It's funny how those things work sometimes. But we need to understand that all of these great men, all these great wise people in Babylon had no idea what to do. Their faith was in a pagan god or gods that didn't matter. I love the story of the prophets of Baal and uh, Elijah. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. You know that story where he calls uh, down fire from heaven and it consumes the altar? After he's saturated with water, dug a trench around the altar so the water is... There's so much water poured on it that it's overflowing the trough. And then God just... Shoop, and just, just consumes the altar. Can you imagine? But if you if you read the Living Bible back in the day, Ken Taylor paraphrased that by saying, Elijah looked across at the prophets of Baal who weren't having any success in getting their altar to be consumed by their false god Baal. He said, well, is your God sitting on the toilet? I, I've always thought that was an interesting way to put that. In other words, God, God can't respond to you because He's busy. <laughs> yeah. Real faith. Here's your takeaway today. Real faith always wins. Real faith always wins. None of the Babylonian wise men got it figured out, but four Hebrew boys got it figured out. Let me give you three quick things to take away. Number one, they had an unfounded fear in verse one. Kind of reminds me of the summer night during a thunderstorm, severe thunderstorm that a mother was tucking her small son into bed. She was about to turn the light off when a trembling voice said, Mommy, will you stay with me all night? Smiling, the mother gave him a warm, reassuring hug, and then she tenderly said to him, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. There was a long silence. And then at last, this broken, shaky voice says, Oh, that big sissy. <laughs> Maybe that's you. You know, sometimes we get afraid of the things that we have no control over. You know, sometimes you can control your health. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can control what happens around you, but most of the time you can't. As tragic as it is for this young person to have lost his life, Traveling for Christ in youth, ministering to thousands of teenagers this summer. 
you have no guarantee that you're going to get to the church house today when you got in your car to drive up here. You don't. There are no guarantees that you're going to leave the church and be able to get home. There's none. So see, it's always an exercise of faith. So where do you have your faith? Is your faith in your automobile? Is your faith in your driving ability? Or is your faith in Almighty God who's given you the capacity to drive? If you really want to learn whether you drive well or not, you should take a ride or let Jeff Parmenter go ride with you. Jeff drives a big truck. He sees tremendous driving uh, abilities all over the country. doesn't matter what part of the country he's in. He sees people that are just tremendous uh, behind the wheel. <laughs> yeah. I think he lists them as idiots. Uh, yeah. They, how did they get a driver's license? Got it. But the greatest king of all time, who's talking in our story, is afraid of a dream. Is afraid of the outcome of the dream. You ever had a dream that you woke up sweating? And my wife is an interesting dreamer. I don't dream, and if I do, I don't remember them. I don't. I get up, however, and she is beating on me, and I'm going, okay, what? She goes, in my dream, in your dream, what? I didn't do anything, but I did in the dream. It counts. Can't win. I should just move on. I saw Corey digging the hole deeper. Yeah, <laughs> but can you imagine Nebuchadnezzar? Great. I mean, he had, look at the power he had. And yet a dream troubled him so bad that he was threatening his wise men. Did he even have faith in them? I don't think so. Verse 5, the thing is gone from me, he says. Don't fear. That's a great phrase, isn't it? Don't fear. You realize that that's, that appears 365 times, either don't fear or fear not throughout the Bible. 365 times. Now, I don't know about you, but that's an interesting number. Anybody any idea what that number stands for? How many days in a year? So every day you should be able to get up and have a Bible verse that connects to fear not. Fear not. Don't let it get to you. Everything's going to be alright. Yeah, it will. When my Catholic doctor comes in to work on my foot tomorrow, or Tuesday, I'm, I'm tempted to grab him and say, Doc, let's pray together. That'd scare him to death. I'll say, since I can't go into the uh, retirement home where my member is because I'm not Catholic. Yeah, maybe he could. <laughs> now they'd probably kick him out too. Anyway. 365 days. You know, if you got up every day and read that, read one of those verses every day, it'd be better than taking a multivitamin. Don't fear. Don't fear. No matter what you're facing. It could be job related. It could be home related. It could be relationship related. Man, it doesn't matter. Put your faith, 
trusting God. A few verses to help reinforce that. Matthew 10:28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't worry about what Satan can do. Worry about what God can do. God can wipe you out for eternity. That's what that verse says. Wouldn't it be smarter to be ready to go to heaven? I think so. I think so. Second Timothy one seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Love that passage, scripture. The last one, Revelation twenty one eight. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, the second death. You know, that's a pretty graphic description of what hell's going to look like. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I just absolutely don't want to go there. I don't like overly hot weather. How about you? And yet, you know, we had nine months of winter. We've had three weeks of heat. And you hear people doing what? Ah, so hot outside. Good grief. Relax, would you? This is too cold. It's too hot. One or the other. But one thing about hell is it's going to be hot and it's going to stay hot. And it ain't ever going to change. So. They had unfounded fear. And in verse 2, they experienced an undeniable failure. Because see, the wise people, the soothsayers, so to speak, the diviners, the diviners, they couldn't do it. The enchanters, they couldn't do it. They quit before they ever even started. They kept stalling for time. Kind of like what we do. God says, hey, I'm standing ready to receive you. And what do we do? Oh, hang on, hang on. That's why I asked the question, second coming of Christ, sooner or later? When I was a young preacher out of Bible college, I was preaching about the second coming. And uh, one of the boys raised his hand. He said, preacher, if you're punching tickets for the, for the trip, he said, I'll wait and go on the second load. Because <laughs> he wasn't ready to go yet. And yet the Bible is very clear that we got to be ready to go today in the twinkling of an eye. We need to be ready to go. Do you have your affairs in order? Do you have it all ready to go? See, if a doctor says to you, call the family in because you don't have much time left, you didn't have time left when you saw the doctor before he said that. You and I are on borrowed time. Amen? I'll stop. Amen? You're on borrowed time. What are you doing with that time? Just playing around? you got people that are going to go to hell if you don't tell something to them about the Lord. Well, they don't want to receive it. I've told them a hundred times. Keep telling them. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop because you might fail. Jim Burke became the head of New Products Division at Johnson & Johnson. And one of his first projects was the development of a children's chest rub. The product failed miserably. Burke expected that he'd be fired. When he was called in to see the chairman of the board, he met he was met with a, re, a, a surprising reception. 
Are you the one who just cost us all that money? Asked Robert Wood Johnson. I just want to congratulate you because if you are making mistakes, that means you're taking risks. And we can't grow unless you take risks. Some years later, Jim Burke himself became chairman of Johnson & Johnson. And he continued to spread that word that don't be afraid to make a mistake. And I want to say to you, start in Genesis, go to Revelation, and point to me one perfect... Well, I could do that. Elisha. There was a couple of them. But other than those two guys, is there anybody that didn't have some bit of scandal in their life that God chose to use? Hmm. There's hope for you and me. There's hope for us. Greatest story of all is Balaam and his donkey. If God can use a donkey to preach, He might use you and me. Yeah. Think about that. But you got to say something. you got to have something in here with which to give. And if you've been saved, if you've been called by God and given salvation for eternity, man, don't keep that gift. Give it away. Find somebody to share that with. Nebuchadnezzar calls the so-called wise men. In verse 3, the king tells them that he can't remember the dream. And then all the wise men tell the king, Yeah, we can't do that either. <laughs> Not the best thing to say to the king. Verses 4 and four seven, verse 10. There's no man that can do that. These verses tell us. In verse 11, chapter 2. It's a rare thing that the king requires. There's none other than can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. You see, out of their own mouths, these pagan sorcerers were showing the preeminence and the glory of God. Too often, people in their haste to condemn reveal who they really are. And what's important. I read an interesting article this week about abortion. Uh, It's a hot topic in our culture today. But in the article it mentioned that when in 1973 when the Roe versus Wade was decided, science wasn't really a part of the decision. And nowadays everything is related to science, isn't it? They now have videotapes or or video uh, recordings of babies in the womb actively moving, sucking their thumb. And then they've also got video of babies when they inject poison into the womb to kill the baby with it screaming trying to push away from the needle that's being pushed in. Tell me that's, that's not real. The phrase, it's just a parasite, has resurfaced again. That's what Hitler called the Jews in the 40s. 
was they were just parasites. You see where that got us. How can God continue to pour blessings upon a country that kills its own children? Can't. Won't. Where are we at? Where are you at? Verse 27, Daniel 2. Daniel answered in the presence of the king. said, The secret which the king has demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show to the king. But there is a God in heaven. You see, Daniel was smart enough, had faith enough in his relationship with God that he was going to get the answer. That God was going to reveal it to him. Your faith can take you that far as well. Now I want you to see the third takeaway in verse 16. They had an unwavering faith. Notice what he says. And the way that he says it. What would his punishment have been if not only if he had not only failed, but he had lied to the king? See, Daniel was prepared because he knew that God would come through. He knew that. The king had already accused them of trying to buy some time so they could come out you know, come out with a way to weasel out of their way out of their failures. Hebrews 11.6 is a powerful verse on faith. It says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Proverbs 3.5, verse you know very well, 3.5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him He will make your paths straight. James 1, 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and un, uh, unbraids, upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A famous art collector is walking through the city when he notices a mangy cat lapping milk from a saucer in the doorway of a store. He does a double take. He knows that the saucer is extremely old and very valuable. So he walks casually into the store, offers to buy the cat for $2. The store owner replies, I'm sorry, but the cat isn't for sale. The collector says, please, I need a hungry cat around the house to catch mice. I'll pay you $20 for that cat. Owner said, sold. Hands over the cat. Collector continues, hey, for the 20 bucks, I wondered if I could throw in that old saucer. Cat's used to it and saves me from having to get a dish. The owner says, sorry, buddy, but I got a lot of faith in that old saucer. There used to be a couple hundred stray cats around here, and I always try to feed one of them out of that bowl. So far this week, I've sold 68 cats. (laughs) Where are you putting your faith today? Is your faith in Almighty God? 
or is your faith in yourself? If it's there, well, I'd get on my knees and get it back to God because that's where it needs to be. I have a time of invitation. If you need to respond to him, would you this morning? I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing together. Father, just pray you'll bless us this morning and help us to consider the story. And Daniel and his three Hebrew buddies, thank you that you gave them great faith and that they stood firm in their faith for you and that you, Father, then revealed through them what the king needed to hear. And God, I thank you that you showed up at the right moment at the right time. And so it is with us. It may, be, it may not be as monumental as a dream that's got us troubled. It may just simply that we are aware of a struggle point, a wall that Satan is erecting in front of us that could stop our growth, could cause us great pain. And yet, if we'll stop, put you back in front put you back on the throne if we've taken you off our faith will begin to accelerate and we'll see miracle after miracle after miracle from you work so Father I'm praying for everyone here today that there might be just one who would publicly state of their desire to grow deeper in you to walk closer to you Father, if there's that one, would you give them courage to respond as we sing together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Great song.